Welcome to Rail Group on Air, a joint podcast of Railway Age, Railway Track Instructors, and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. Vantuono. Our podcast sponsor is the Greenbrier Companies, which offers an innovative way for rail car customers to inspect build quality, virtual sample rail car, which remotely brings you into the Greenbrier plant from the convenience of your own conference room or home office. Virtual Sample Rail Car, or VSR, provides full access to a sample rail car while significantly reducing travel time and cost. It gives all the information needed to determine that your rail cars meet all specifications and will be delivered as ordered. Narrated high-resolution video follows the complete build of your sample rail car with tools like high-resolution photos and 360-degree views, concluding with a live stream inspection from the plant's bio-off area. A process that normally takes three or more days is reduced to just one hour. Check out VSR, winner of the Canadian Association of Railway Suppliers 2020 Innovation Award at go.gbrx.com forward slash virtual. That's go.gbrx.com forward slash virtual. Now, how many of our listeners remember the days of the mid to the late 1990s, the period of the so-called mega-mergers? We had the combination of the Union Pacific and the Southern Pacific, the Burlington Northern and the Santa Fe, and then that famous breakup of Conrail, which uh, was split between Norfolk Southern and CSX. Well, it's been 20 years since we've had a Class 1 consolidation attempted, and on March 20th, 2021, Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern announced their intent to merge. The new entity would be called Canadian Pacific Kansas City, or CPKC. And those two railroads are led by our 2020 Railroader of the Year, Pat Ottensmeyer, President and CEO of Kansas City Southern, and our 2021 Railroader of the Year, Canadian Pacific President and CEO Keith Creel. Well, it only took about a month for another Class 1 to step forward with a counteroffer that they say is superior to the CPKC deal. Joining me on this podcast are the president and CEO of that railroad, CN, J.J. Ruest, our 2019 Railroader of the Year, and CN's executive vice president and chief operating officer, Rob Riley. J.J., you've said that an opportunity like this comes uh, comes along once in a lifetime. Uh, Why don't you expand on that a bit? Yeah, so first of all, thank you for having us, Bill. Uh, You know, Rob and I are very excited to be on your webcast. It is an opportunity once in, a, in our lifetime. Uh, I don't know, Bill, how many of those you went through, uh, I'm talking, you know, merger of, uh, you know, two significant railroad to coming together. Uh, when I was young, a younger man, I was a customer of the railroad and uh, I watched from a distance CSX and SM Conrail. And when I joined CN, we, we did a number of merger. Probably the biggest one was with the Illinois Central. That was quite exciting at that time. And Therefore, at CN, we have some good experience at uh, merger integration and working with STB and customers. But uh, this one is significant. And, uh, you know, Rob and I have the opportunity to actually be the major player to that at a very senior level. So when we decided to make the movie, it was quite an exciting moment uh, at that board meeting. So 
Let me ask you, uh, when the CPKCS uh, deal was announced, were you surprised initially? Because uh, from what I know, there hadn't been, uh, they really kept things under wraps. And they did a, quite a good job of that. We've, uh, as, as you probably know, and we've been asked that question many, many times, uh, CN has always been looking for uh, organic growth, but also buying uh, railroad, you know, joining with other partners build a bigger network. You go back to the days of the IPO, you remember, uh, Hunt, uh, you remember Paul Tellier and Hunter Harrison. But Paul Tellier's uh, vision early days was to create a NAFTA railroad. At uh, that time, it was known as NAFTA, not USMCA. That's how we joined the force with the Illinois Central that runs from Chicago to New Orleans. That's how also we got into uh, a marketing alliance with uh, Mike Haverty and his team. And Gerald Davies, who eventually was chief marketing officer of KCS. Uh, before that, he was chief marketing officer, as you remember, of CN. So, so when the decision of the board of KCS recently to decide that uh, they were going to be selling the company, crystallizing the value for the shareholders, became as a very good news. In other words, we now had an opportunity to uh, create, uh, confirm the vision that we've had for the last 25 years. We've looked at other things, as you know, through the history. You know, we look at combining with BN, and I'm assuming other railroad too over the last 25 years. I've been looking at uh, who they were to partner with, and including the KCS. But uh, the moment is now, and this is a file that we're extremely familiar with because uh, we've had long, long-term uh, dealing and vision about a NAFTA railroad just got renewed with uh, under Mr. Biden and Mr. Mr. Trump. And uh, the USMCA is about to take off again. I don't know, Rob, if you want to add something. You came from the BN, and I think the BN has always been looking at KCS uh, from a very close, uh, close point of view. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think KCS has been one of those railroads that, that uh, really all the class ones have looked at, quite honestly. And uh, certainly at CN, as JJ said, uh, we've seen the strategic fit that it makes for our network. And as JJ said, the timing is right now. When you look at what's going on with the US, USMCA agreement being extended, when you look at what's going on with world manufacturing coming closer to North America, um, and you look at the economy coming back, just as JJ talked about, this uh, USMCA needs a strong railroad that's going to pull all that together. And we feel like we bring a lot of uh, options to the table for shippers. And uh, we talked a little bit about that before we, we started here. but. Uh, we have many options and many positives that uh, we think we bring to this this merger, and you know I, I spent my first 30 years with with BNSF working all over the Western U.S. and Chicago four times and California and Texas and every place in between, and worked a lot uh, with the KCS team shoulder to shoulder, and they are a very good team, and I think culturally, um, philosophically we would make uh, really good, a really good fit in terms of a railroad partnership. If I may be something that's maybe not very well known, but uh, Rob was born and raised not too far from Kansas City in Topeka. So that's actually uh, part, of his, part of his neck of the world that uh, is very relevant also to his knowledge of uh, you know, the need to be sure that we are a good, good citizen in Kansas City if uh, we are allowed to proceed further uh, with our proposal. So getting back to uh, JJ to what you were saying about organic growth, this is something uh, uh, that you know you've been looking at various options now for quite some time. Going back to the and I re well remember the attempt to merge with uh, uh, 
with BNSF that uh, uh, the, the STB uh, uh, shot down and developed those new merger rules as a result of that. Um, so if this, uh, if CP hadn't, uh, hadn't come out first, uh, would, would this have been a, a combination you would have eventually had gotten around to? The opportunity was really always around not so much uh, what uh, the other railroad is uh, promoting, but around what the board of KCS and the KCS management wants to do. They've done a very fantastic job of uh, building that franchise over the last 25 years. They bought the Tex-Mex. They bought the remaining shareholders, uh, shareholding of the Mexican part. They've uh, you know, improved their costs. They've put some capital in the plant to make it better. And, and they, created, they created something that's valuable, not only, just, not only just an asset, but also in people talent. Uh, so uh, it, it was a question of time, but the time is really decided by the owner, by the board of KCS. And that's what is really is key at this moment in time is it's not so much that uh, there's, there's other parties who may want to uh, you know, own what they have. Uh, I mean, that's the obvious. I think it's more about when is the board of KCS decide if they decide to sell. And obviously, I think where they're at right now, they will most likely proceed with a transaction. You know, it'd be, it's a question of when and with who and at what price and what condition. So, I mean, that's really, they're the one who are decided the moment. And uh, it's a moment that we're extremely happy to, uh, to, to, to capitalize on. So, Rob, I'd like you to talk a little bit about uh, some of the, uh, this question of uh, overlap and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, well, you have two really good operating people here. Okay. You've got yourself. All right. And, and as you well know, Keith Creel is a good operating person. Very good. Uh, and, and there seems to be some, uh, question as to, you know, how much overlap is there? CP says there isn't any overlap at all with, uh, with uh, KCS, uh, but, but there's a lot of overlap uh, with, with CN. You folks are saying, no, that's not exactly the case. Uh, uh, I, I know it can get pretty, pretty complicated. Uh, uh, looking sure. at a railroad map, it's not, it's not the spaghetti bowl that you have in the east <laughs> with Norfolk Southern and, and, and uh, CSX. But nevertheless, maybe you could try to explain uh, exactly where you're coming from in terms of lines and and, uh, and overlap. What are we really looking at here? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd start with the overlap. And, you know, I, we said this in the analyst call when we first announced, uh, we did our quarterly earnings call this week and, and reiterated it. But really in terms of overlap, customers going from two options today, meaning CN and KCS going to one, that really lies between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And we recognize that going in. And nothing's changed with that recognition. And we've said all along that we will remedy that. There's a lot of ways you can remedy it. And you can uh, sell it off. You can shortline it. You can allow trackage and haulage rides. There's a lot of ways to do it, but we will do that when the time comes. There's no doubt about that. We can't, can't leave that unmitigated. Those are the only places um, that we have customers going from two to one. Now, you're seeing a lot of maps that are out there these days, Bill, and I know you know the network quite well, that somehow paint Middle America uh, as having only two north-south rail options, you know, and uh, what you see in front of you is actually there's multiple options. There's multiple options. UP has three routes north-south. BNSF has two really good routes north-south, as does CSX and, and NS. Um, and, and in our proposal, a lot of that was truck to rail conversion. 
we're competing with I-35 that goes through the congested uh, outskirts of Austin and Dallas, Fort Worth and Oak City and Kansas City. And we compete with I-55 today. And oh, by the way, we compete with the Mississippi River and barge traffic today. My point is, you know, don't get head faked by maps that somehow erase all the other rail lines that are running north-south in a very dense, you know, couple hundred mile uh, span of middle America, because uh, there are a lot of options. What interests us about the KCS is that our line from Chicago to New Orleans, the old IC, gets us to New Orleans. Last I checked, you can't get to Mexico from New Orleans. And and what the KCS line is actually gets us into Mexico and everything we talked about when we were looking at it with the USMCA nearshoring, um, that's that's what we want to be part of and, and play in. And that's where our options um, of, of our railroad and the span of our railroad uh, actually helps that. Houston to the border, uh, where, where KCS uh, does have to go over the UP at, uh, at some point, as would CN. Do you have any feeling for how, uh, how, how Union Pacific is, is looking at, at all this? Because they've got the most uh, uh, touch points on, on the border. Laredo is the most important link. Yeah, so I've been there multiple times, Houston, and uh, it was part of my territory. And uh, recognize the KCS operates from Beaumont to Rosenberg over the Union Pacific. They do today. Um, but uh, yeah, been to Laredo Bridge. And, uh, you know, as far as the, the conversations with the specific railroads, you know, JJ certainly had some, some uh, initial conversations with his counterparts. But, you know, the time and the place when, when some of that discussion becomes more real will be later on, certainly. But very familiar with the route. Uh, very familiar how KCS put that together uh, with the Tex-Mex over, over to Laredo as well. And uh, recognize that the Laredo Bridge is the busiest rail corridor coming to and from the U.S. and Mexico. And uh, it's an important one, not only for KCS, but Union Pacific, obviously. BNSF runs, runs trackage, haulage trains across there as well. So it is a busy, busy uh, um, bridge. And... Uh, Certainly, we recognize that going into this. In Canada, uh, there you have a co-production agreement with CP. JJ, is that that that's still in place? Is it not in in the in, uh, across the prairies? Uh, it's, Where you it's have actually, some, some directional traffic. Uh, yeah, so there's a co-production. We call it directional traffic. It's really as you get closer to uh, Vancouver, uh, and it's in the the canyon of the Fraser River. So you go to the coast on the CN Railroad and you come back to the coast on the CP Railroad and the co-production as we exchange capacity. Uh, and then it's kind of, um, I call this in the world of trading, as long as we got uh, kind of a equip, we exchange equivalent capacity, we keep a running tab. And then if, uh, if the running tab at some point uh, get uh, imbalanced, there's some uh, remedy for that. So, but that's, that's, that's made in the spirit of, uh, it's a very challenging uh, location from a geography point of view. A little difficult to build more track because you're, you're, the track at the time were built uh, on the side of a mountain. And, oh, uh, yes. This, I've, I've been across yeah, that territory. Oh, that's yeah. That's right. It's, it's beautiful. And the grade to Vancouver is actually uh, more positive on CN. Most of the train to Vancouver are actually quite heavy from a tonnage point of view. And the grade coming back on the CP is a little more challenging. But when you come back from Vancouver, typically you come in with containers that's light to freight. But... Uh, 
really no relation to what uh, we're envisaged to be, you know, in the proposed CNKCS. We're very mindful. I mean, a lot of our a lot of our business case is based on diverting traffic from the highway, uh, putting business uh, on the contain on uh, on intermodal train, building a superior network that can compete with all these routes you see on that map, you know, namely the UP and the BN mostly but also competing with I-35, which has a lot of freight, even more freight maybe than the railroads. Mm -hmm. And eventually, look at this as a very long-term uh, long strategy, very long-term play. So what are the bottleneck of today? Eventually, will be addressed. Uh, and that's the same thing with uh, how, how you cross the border between uh, you know, Mexico and the United States. Just think of how what we built on the northern side, so how we cross the border between Western Canada and Chicago. And what we built there over time, double track, you know, section, places for U.S. Customs to actually access the train directly. We built inspection uh, building right at the border, right close to the train. We actually do this as a service for U.S. Customs. So we've actually, you know, been very mindful uh, to build over, over years things that really make the border very, very fluid. And, uh, you know, give us the opportunity to combine with KCS and we will work with their team to make the U.S. and Mexico border mm -hmm. as fluid as can be. And so what's there today is there today. But put it in the context of a long-term partnership, long-term uh, combination. And, uh, you know, we will replicate a lot of our so – we're very much solution-minded. And we'll bring those solutions all across the network. Our, our big pitch here is not about, uh, you know, somebody's regulatory process different than somebody else. The regulatory process is the same for all. There's nothing that's insoluble in terms of regulatory process. So you got to get down to what the real agenda is. What choice do we create? What new product do we create? How much value do we bring to the economy? And, you know, is that going to be resonate with people who actually buy freight? And as I speak to you today on Monday, after only uh, a few days of, uh, you know, being out of the uh, announcement of Tuesday last, last week, we announced that we had 400 customers and stakeholders who filed in support of CN after basically just four working days. And today, as we speak, we haven't filed them with the STB yet, but we have a total of 615 letters supporting us, and the remaining 215 will be filed in time. But these are people that are saying, they're looking at us as, hey, there's something in it for them. There's something in it for their industry. There's something in it for those who move freight. There's something in it for those who, who want to uh, use a more carbon efficient, a more fulsome solution between Canada and Mexico. Not something that starts at the border, and then finish in Chicago, where you have to hitchhike your way into the highway with your container. It's, it's something different, and it's something for which there is role for it today. So it needs to be heard, because we should not deprive ourselves of a great solution and get stuck into you know, so-called huge difference in regulatory process, because in fact, in our view, there's nothing insoluble in terms of so-called regulatory problem. The reason why I, I asked about the co-production uh, agreement uh, in Western Canada. Rob, this is really a question for you. Uh, for the U.S. operations, if this goes through, do you see any uh, directional traffic? Is there a way you can optimize? Because uh, the, there, are, there are some parallel, there would be parallel lines, even though they're, they're fairly far apart. Um, it's, it's not like in Western Canada, where I remember high railing on the CP and um, during their, their Westcap project a long time ago. And looking across the river and seeing the CN, uh, it's not the case here, uh, obviously. But uh, is there something like that uh, possible? Some sort of directional routing, right? Just so I understand you, Bill, you're talking about uh, with another railroad or within our own railroad? 
Well, well, uh, within a combined uh, CN KCS. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think you pointed it out. They, they are parallel, um, about uh, 400 plus miles apart from each other. Um, but I guess you could say I-5 and I-95 are parallel too in some ways. But uh, yeah, I think... <laughs> it's a good way I, of putting I, it. <laughs> I think uh, Kansas City to Detroit, you know, when you look at that and basically connecting our railroad to the KCS, you know, just uh, southwest of Springfield, Illinois, uh, provides an option. Uh, because as you know, the Western Railroads, for the most part, stop in Chicago. And um, the ability to cross that uh, middle of the, of the railroad uh, connections and actually bring some optionality for, for the auto part industry from Detroit to Kansas City, as you know, Norfolk Southern goes there now. I think we provide another choice there that is direct line service. So that's how we see some of that. You know, in terms of the intermodal product, you know, we can go both ways, whether it is in the north-south, Shreveport to Kansas City, up to what we'd call the Kansas City Speedway through Springfield or across the Meridian Speedway up Jackson to Chicago as well. You know, the value, and you saw this, you know, you talked about the announcement when it happened back in March. If you listen to that, you know, the option, the, the opportunity that they saw is the same as what we see in terms of truck to rail conversion. And that truck to rail conversion is the Mexican South Texas market to the upper Midwest and Southern Ontario. That's really where we see the density of that. And that's where our network comes into play is when you get to Chicago, you know, we don't go into Chicago. Uh, we come 30 plus miles south of Chicago at a place called Madison, Illinois, and hang a right and go east right into Indiana, around the south uh, edge of uh, Lake Michigan, straight into Detroit on our own tracks. We're the only one that has our own tracks east of, east of uh, Chicago that, comes, that would be coming from this route. And then as you cross over the border, you know, the, the tunnel at Sarnia uh, is actually double stack clearance for high cubes and can take, uh, take traffic right into Toronto. So it is a shorter route. It's a faster route. We think uh, time means money for shippers. And uh, that's really where the opportunity is. I know the other option out there, you know, would, would have you coming into the northwest suburbs of Chicago near O'Hare Airport. And as you know, that's, that's got to... Uh, slug its way through the city of Chicago, either on a belt line, and then get to uh, the east side and hand off to a carrier or use trackage rights to get out of there. You know, I spent um, a good third of my career working in Chicago on the ground in the city of Chicago. I know what it takes to get freight through Chicago when times get tough, winter, and it gets busy. I've been there, done that. And uh, I, was, I was working in Chicago as general manager when the, when the CN bought the EJ&E, and we all knew what that meant. Anybody that's operated in Chicago knows what that means. And uh, I certainly have seen that firsthand in my, my short time here. But uh, it is a true advantage when you, when you talk about the routing around Chicago to head straight to Detroit and southern Ontario. And in your time at CN, you have learned how to say Baton Rouge. I I that. Rouge. <laughs> yeah. There's still a little Kansas twang in there, though. A little bit. <laughs> so, uh, so to get from the uh, from Eastern Canada through through Ontario province, uh, uh, and I've spent a, a good amount of time in, um, in in Toronto and observing some of the traffic. I've been to McMillan Yard, and uh, so uh, so you come you come across the border at Sarnia, 
and then the connection from there from the tunnel uh how did, then how exactly do you get i'm just trying to visualize this for because this is an audio uh, and uh i like our our listeners to try to visualize how do you get from sarnia to your to your network outside of chicago yeah we come right across at uh, michigan at a place called port huron that's the other side of the tunnel two mile tunnel um spent my First week and was seeing, and unfortunately in the middle of that tunnel. But uh, so unfortunately, I know it quite well. And uh, and then from there we connect on to Detroit, and then down down through, you know, the south south of the Lake Michigan, into uh, into the J actually, um, south of Chicago. And if I may ask, Bill, this is yes. a very modern tunnel. It was built. Back in, uh, back in the days of Paul Tellier, it was probably one of the youngest rail tunnels that there is in North America. And uh, it, you could do double stack, high, high container in that tunnel. You can fit any size train, including multi-level. The, the other tunnel uh, that's connecting under the two country, the one in Detroit, does not have the same, same, quite same clearance. So when you come on that model train from Port of Montreal, if you move on the other railroad, they actually go to the United States via Buffalo. They run on CSX and then they get to Chicago on the CSX railroad. CN does that on our own railroad using our own tunnel that we control that we dispatch. So that's, so that's, that's really is a big difference. And it's because back in the days, uh, Paul tell you just before the IPO believe about, uh, you know, Canada us trade. And he, he, he put a big bet on building that uh, two mile tunnel under the St. Clair river. If I may just uh, emphasize some of the example that Rob was saying earlier, we described the route, and uh, you know the whole route that we are that we have and want to create, especially about the congestion in Chicago. Many many customers who ship long haul have given up on uh, trying to use railroad, partly because of the reason that uh, Rob was talking about how difficult it is to go over Chicago and 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 then not quite getting there from that. I'll give you an example. Most of the French fries that people in Mexico eat, they come they come they come from Canada, from Eastern Canada, big potato farm in Atlantic Province big frozen French fries movement from, Atlant from Atl Atlantic Canada all the way to Mexico City, from the, you know, the Prairie Province, big potato farm, frozen French fries, moving in reefer, reefer truck. And we'd love to convert more on that in reefer container if we could create a route, single, single carrier route all the way to Mexico City and give them the consist consistency that they have. We won't be as fast as truck, but we're gonna be much more cost price efficient. We're gonna be more fuel efficient. And we could also be consistent if we do this as one. And on the way back, you know, people in the north, you know, in Michigan and uh, Ontario and, uh, you know, Midwest, we, we all eat a lot of produce and uh, processed food that comes from Mexico, which also needs uh, temperature control in the same container coming back out. Too much of that today still on the highway, back on the I-35, and it needs to be on the railroad. It's up to the railroad to recreate a product that address the need of those customers. And that's what this is all about. That's why that's a lot of our growth is coming from the highway, but these movement exists today. You know, potato, fry, frozen fries and the frozen pork is moving to Mexico in large way. Mexico is sending us garlic, they're sending us processed food. They also send us obviously a lot of uh, parts for the assembly plant in Michigan, Ontario, uh, Michigan, Ontario, Hawaii, and Ontario, and vice versa. A lot of the same, a lot of the parts plant from the Midwest, also shipping parts to these newer, uh, more recent assembly plant. And too much of that still is on the highway today. But even what's moving on the railroad could be done better if it's done with a single line uh, 
And then, you know, Rob's got a program also to upgrade some of the uh, capital, pro uh, some of the track on KCS. We, are, we, we will be upgrading some of the section to make their asset even more valuable when it's connected. So there's, there's a long-term vision about uh, creating more options, more product. And it's not about, uh, you know, it's not a merger which is largely based on taking business from the railroad. It's a merger about taking future growth and ex existing business from the highway and taking future growth, which will come with the GDP, to be sure that some of that remains come on the railroad as opposed to keep on going back to the highway and the I-35 and et cetera, et cetera. So would you agree that some of that growth uh, would come, come about as a result of what's called near shoring, manufacturing, switching yes. from, the, the, uh, from, from the Far East, Asia, China, yes. to yeah. North America, a lot of it in Mexico. Uh, yes, but also Canada and and the U.S. near shore. Yeah, yeah, I I'm very much so. I've been going to China for the last twenty five years, and uh, China has changed huge in the last twenty five years. You know, my early trip, uh, you know, China was you know had very difficult infrastructure, labor very cheap, standard of living very low. You you go today, you know, that's before COVID when we could still travel. The labor costs in China on the coastal province is way high. You know, people now, they want, they want to have a good standard of living. They, they not necessarily actually want to work in the factory. They want to work in better condition and, and getting better paid. So it's not so much that uh, the, the salary in Canada, Mexico, and, and, and the United States have come down. It's the salary and, and, the, and the expectation of workers in, in the coastal province of China has gone up way up in one generation. And frankly, Mexico today, with their manufacturing sector and their labor costs, can and will rival with the manufacturing complex of China. So some of these plants have moved to Vietnam and you know, Bangladesh and whatnot, but some of them have and will be moving to nearshoring. It might be a US plant, it might be a Mexican plant, it might be a Canadian plant. Mexico may have probably an advantage to the, to the US, USMCA because of their labor costs, obviously. But it is part of uh, what's ahead of us. We wanna build the railroad for the future economy not the economy of the past. Uh, we've, we've relied for a long time on thermal coal for a period of time. We relied on the crude by rail. Uh, thermal coal typically going out on, you know, it's circular, it's, 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 it's real, it's, 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 gonna, it's become quite small. Crude by rail, you can't build a, a, a company around that because it's too, too volatile. The consumer, he's gonna be there for the next 30 years and nearshoring is also gonna be one of the reality, you're right. So it is definitely uh, part of the tree uh, rising tide, if you wish, that we see as part of our, of our proposal. I, uh, I wanted to uh, ask you about the regulatory scene and not really in the United States. We know it quite well, but I'm, I'm just curious. We haven't heard much out of the Canadian government or the Mexican government uh, about either combination. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so maybe start with the Mexican government. In time, uh, the, uh, the 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 group that the board of KCS will will want to you know close a transaction with will have to get the concurrence of the Mexican government. You know, go through there, basically get their sign off. So there is a regulatory process in Mexico. It's nowhere as uh, as uh, as demanding, if you wish, as what you have on the STB. And on the Canadian side. The there's actually no asset changing hand on the Canadian side. So the merger is not happening in Canada. 
uh, the merger is, is talking of a change of ownership of U.S. asset and change of ownership of Mexican asset. So on the Canadian side, it's a, uh, I mean, it's not really a big deal because the merger is not happening here. But there is an interest, obviously, uh, but it's really STB and the Mexican government. They're the regulatory body for this transaction. I don't know, if, Rob, if you want to add. Yeah, no, I think you, you hit it. And you talked about the U.S. in terms of understanding the regulatory piece. So, so you, you certainly understand that piece. And really, you know, our ask right now is, is really centered around the voting trust. And, uh, you know, we really want um, that to be looked at the same way as CPs. Ours is uh, the same exact trust with the same trustee. Um, and we just want it to be uh, approved on the same timeline, same standards, uh, same uh, fairness applied to it. And, and we encourage the STB, and I know they, they will do everything they can to, to get this approved by the uh, end of May is really our ask. And, and uh, nothing more, nothing less than that. JJ, if you care to speculate, what, what would your, uh, uh, your next move be if, uh, if a decision doesn't go in, in your favor? We believe the decision will go in our favor. We believe that uh, after having completed the due diligence with KCS, we will know more than today. Uh, we believe that this will reinforce our bid and our decision to go forward. And we believe the STB uh, regarding the voting trust, which is the next point, should adopt a review process that is fair and efficient. And therefore, they should review uh, our, our, our uh, request for uh, the, ST, the, uh, the voting trust to be, on the to be done standard, the same way they're done with CP to be in the same timeline and to be issued at the same time. I think it would only be fair and equitable that uh, the STB would do that, frankly. But we believe, despite everything that's been said, not all of it being accurate, we, we are convinced that the process is, uh, will be done in such a way that there's no insoluble regulatory problem uh, for us to resolve. It's just a question of time and we focus on solution. And, uh, and uh, you know, we're, we're looking for the STB to apply same standards, same timeline uh, and issue the decision at the same time. You and I have, uh, we've talked baseball. You like to use baseball analogies. Yes. <laughs> What's the baseball analogy here, JJ? Is it the bottom of the ninth where the score is tied or maybe, maybe you're behind by three runs and you're at the plate and you got it and it's, you know, two strikes and three balls, but the bases are loaded and, and you got You got to swing for the seats and try to hit a grand slam. What, what, what's, what's your baseball uh, analogy here? So maybe one analogy is uh, it is early in the game because when you think of the whole process, it, it will probably bring us all the way to early 2023. Uh, by the time first you get, you know, you get the, 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 the voting trust, you have the shareholders meeting of KCS, and then you have the regulatory process within itself is the most significant part. But CP got at bat before us because they, they made the first, it was made the first offer. We, we now at bat. We've been at bat now for basically a week. We got a lot of support from customers. We're making our case. Uh, we got a lot of coverage, but I think it's very early in the game. You know what? Maybe the, the the top of the second inning or beginning of the second inning. There's a lot of baseball left in that in that game, and the baseball. Uh, you know, the really the game is to go all the way to the finish, which is close the transaction, and uh, you know take the company out of the voting trust and do the real work, which is the integration of the two networks. So, lots lots of baseball left. And would you say that you're uh, uh, in preparation for this uh, spring training went well? <laughs> we did. We did the <laughs> spring training very quietly. Uh, nobody knew that we were going to make an announcement uh, Tuesday morning of last week. I don't. I think that secret was very well kept. 
Uh, and then, uh, not that we didn't work on it, we've been working on it very hard. And uh, you, you could see how, how much we've made and how much uh, wave we've created in just seven days. And, uh, but in seven days, we're even, even, you know, even able to attract the attention of the board of KCS enough that uh, they want to look, uh, they want to give us a chance to do the due diligence to eventually see if, uh, you know, we would be confirmed as the superior offer. But the more, more, more can go back and forth, but use uh, uh, progress in very short time. No, I agree. I agree. And, um, you know, from a baseball standpoint, the bullpen's ready. And, uh, They'll be ready to close it out when, when we call on. We think it's a very exciting project, uh, exciting for, you know, we want to make it exciting for the KCS team. We really want to make an, a merger that's inclusive of their talent and everything they have to offer. Uh, we want to make this a pro-competitive uh, combination, something that customers would have their voice eventually through the new rule. We want to create option, want to create new route. We want to create solution that can't quite exist today, where the rail solution today, they tend to start at a handoff at Laredo, and then the, the next handoff is in Chicago, where you have to basically finish the journey by truck. Uh, we, we want to create an environment where people have career opportunity, and this is all about helping the recovery from COVID. The timing of that is quite, uh, is quite useful. The economy is about to restart, if, not, if it hasn't restarted already. So there's, you know, there's going to be the rising tide of post-COVID, the rising tide of GDP, the rising tide of USMCA, the rising tide of, uh, of uh, the nearshoring that you talked about. And frankly, also the rising tide of technology. Rob has got some pretty neat thing that he's, he's deployed and really turned into real uh, producer of results, especially, for example, on the safety side, that uh, you know, we, we would love to deploy our portal and we would love to deploy our uh, inspection car on a bigger network all the way down to Mexico City and Lazaro Cardenas and make their railroads an even safer railroad. You save money when less incident, you save money, you have a more predictive, uh, more, uh, more reliable product, more reliable service, except there's many, 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 many reasons for the KCS to join uh, another railroad. And uh, we, frankly, we think we're the better choice, not just in price, you know, 325 is bigger than 275. I think that's the obvious from the financial side but also for all of these other reasons I just mentioned. I hope that, uh, and I hope that uh, the better choice, the more long-term choice, eventually is the choice that uh, will prevail. I know, Rob, if you want to add to that on our closing comments. Yeah, that was really well said. I think, you know, with the KCS-CN combination, it really is unlocking a lot of options for shippers. That's how we look at it. Whether it's the intermodal network from uh, Mexico and South Texas, to the upper Midwest and Southern Ontario, see huge opportunities there in terms of truck to rail conversion, whether it's the auto industry from Kansas City to Detroit, whether it's the Midwestern farmers in Iowa, in Wisconsin, in Southern Illinois, to now have the access to the Mexican market on a single line railroad. I think that's huge for them. I think, uh, you know, the lumber, lumber and panel uh, buyers in South Texas and the Dallas and Houston markets that have really taken off over the past decade, combining that with our force products network and our center beams and boxcars and being able to tie that in uh, from Northern BC all the way down to South Texas, it's all good. And, uh, you know, that's really how we look at it is, is are the options that uh, really become available to customers. That's right. North America needs 
a green transportation network that can really offer a solution to what's on the highway. And people on the highway today, especially for these long haul distance, they are looking for other solution, ideally better solution. And I think that's really what we have here in these now over 600 letter of support that uh, there's a very strong appetite to create a, a premier railroad, a railroad for the, this decade, uh, you know, addressing this decade's needs. So thank you for doing this, Bill. And uh, it's always, uh, always good to be able to, uh, to spend time with you and chat about baseball and rail business. <laughs> Well, I wanted to thank thank you both for uh, uh, for, for joining me on this uh, on this re- uh, podcast, and uh, you know we've been following this very closely. Today is the twenty eighth uh, of April, and I haven't gotten that much sleep in the past <laughs> my, <laughs> the, well the, the past uh, ten days, but even before that. But uh, it's uh, it, it's what we do. So. Uh, uh, you're, you're, you're certainly keeping us on our toes here at, uh, at Railway Age. We will continue to follow this game uh, as, it, uh, as it plays out. Thank you so much for joining us. But Thank most you. of all, most of all, uh, you know, I wish you both uh, best of health. Uh, I know things are, things are kind of tough up in Canada. Hopefully they'll get better soon. And uh, we'll come out of this. We'll certainly yes. come out of yes, this. Yes, we will. And in the meantime, you can count on CN to swing at the fastball. We're not okay. giving up here. We're fully committed. Yeah, but you swing at curveballs too, right? <laughs> we swing <laughs> in at the strike, strike zone. In the strike zone. In the strike in the, zone. If okay. it's in the strike zone, I think we had this discussion in the past. If in the strike zone, we extend our arm and we hit. Well, that's it for this edition of Rail Group on Air. Thank you to our sponsor, the Greenbrier Companies. Be sure to check out Virtual Sample Rail Car, VSR, winner of the Canadian Association of Railway Suppliers 2020 Innovation Award at go.gbrx.com forward slash virtual. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief, William C. Vantuono. Have a safe day.